And welcome back to another installment of the Two Brandons. This is Brandon Thomas. And this is Brandon Easton. And we are coming back at you. We know it's, it's been a while. Been uh, big big things afoot uh, with me and my uh, my my ally and compatriot, Mr. Easton. So uh, we're sorry that we, that we left you for so long, but uh, we are back. And uh, we are going to give you a quick, uh, quick little abstract of some of the stuff we've been up to uh, since you've last heard from us. And we are going to get back to the Star Wars talk. Uh, hopefully, uh, we will be getting uh, the, the first official story trailer uh, sometime in the next few weeks. Fingers crossed. But we're also going to do a little Force Friday talk and uh, talk about the, the new Star Wars books that have... Uh, that are now in continuity now that the expanded universe has been done away with. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to get it going. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this, but uh, Mr. Easton has recently joined the writing staff of Marvel's Agent Carter Season 2. Congratulations. We are so excited, so proud of you, and I just wanted you to kind of let folks know uh, what what little you can tell them, because I'm sure a lot has to remain secret for now. But uh, just 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 get the people a little. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for the introduction. It's been a uh, fantastic time on the set and in the writer's room. It's a whole different experience. Um, before I even get into it, I have to thank uh, the folks at the ABC writing program, the Disney ABC writing program, uh, Janine, Victor, uh, Emerlyn, Tim, Christy, these folks were very instrumental in helping me to get to the next level in my career, and I also have to give a shout out to my fellow writing staff and the producers of Agent Carter, and that includes Michelle Fazekas, Tara Butters, Christopher Dingus, uh, Stephen McFeely, Christopher Marcus, Lindsay Allen, Eric Pearson, Brand Engelstein, Sue Chung, myself, and anyone else in this writer's room who I've forgotten, I don't think I have, but if I did, I'm so sorry. Uh, It's been a great, great learning experience. Also, Jose Molina, I have to also give a shout-out to you. Uh, It's just been a great uh, experience. I mean, there's no other way for me to put it. It's a transformative experience for me going from comic books and animation to live action, network, primetime programming. It's an entirely different animal. Working for Marvel uh, Studios, Marvel Entertainment, working for ABC and Disney, it's, it, 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 play, it, it changes the way you think about the world. It changes the way you think about the industry and what it takes to create. There are so many things that go into a TV show that the average fan doesn't understand. And even before I worked on a show... I always understood that there was more going on than just placating fan desires and wants and whims. And working on the show, you've got to deal with budgets. You have to deal with network notes. You've got to deal with studio notes. Those are two different things, by the way. You have to deal with executives from many different parts of the ABC, Disney, and Marvel family. So it's never as simple as why can't they just do this or why can't they just do that. Every decision on a TV show is... You know, a part of budget. Every decision on a TV show also has a lot to do with what the studio and network wants to see on their channel. So, for all the folks who always get upset about why a show doesn't do what you want it to do, believe me, there's reasons why, and they are very boring reasons when they're explained, but it doesn't mean they're unimportant reasons. So, I want to put that out there first. So, obviously, everyone knows Marvel security is ultra tight. I can't really get into too much. There's not a lot I can say, but we do know that in season two, Agent Carter is in Los Angeles, right? We know in season two, uh, her villain is going to be Whitney Frost, but not the Whitney Frost Iron Man version. It's a completely different kind of Whitney Frost imagining, and I think our version is going to be extremely creepy, she's going to be extremely powerful, and the actress who plays her is astonishing. So all I have to say is just get ready, folks. Uh, Season 2 is going to be a lot different than Season 1. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have 10 episodes as opposed to 8. It's a larger canvas. We're going to be tied in a little bit more to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even more than we already were. I can't say how and why, but there are definitely some really cool things on the way for Season 2, which will start 
I believe, in January 2016. So it's not much longer of a wait, folks. So for all the <laughs> Agent Carter fans out there, believe me, you know, Haley Otwell is as cool as she seems, and even more so, uh, yeah, um, James Darcy, who plays Edwin Jarvis, is amazing, fantastic guy. Uh, Enver, I can't speak, I can't say his last name, but Enver, who plays uh, Daniel Souza, fantastic guy. Um, Chad Michael Murray, who plays Agent Jack Thompson, also awesome. Really good people. It's a fantastic crew, fantastic cast, great production staff I work with. So, um, you know, that's that's everything I have to say that I can say without Sweet. getting fired. Like, we, don't want, <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want you that. You don't want me to get fired. So <laughs> I'll just stick with what I just said. Okay, that's cool. That's now, cool. In, in terms of other stuff, uh, there's a really big release. There's actually, I have three big releases in fall of 2015. One is already out called The Joshua Run, mm-hmm. which is a book that was created by actor-comedian Flex Alexander, who is now on the own network with his wife Shanice on the Flex and Shanice reality show. And, uh, you know, he created it, I scripted it. It's a cyber thriller, very similar to War Games, very similar to Enemy of the State. But it's with Flex. Flex is basically the main character. It's not comedic. There's some funny stuff in it, but it's very much a strong cyber thriller being released through. Uh, at, at right now, it's only available digitally from Lion Forge. It's on Comixology, but mm-hmm. the uh, hard, uh, the soft cover version will be released in I think around Christmas time. Yeah, I just pre-ordered it, so I think it's for December oh, releases. You. Yeah, absolutely. The second big thing I'm working on is a series. Um, called Bad Moon Rising, and it was created by screenwriter Scott Rosenberg, who wrote Con Air. He also wrote Gone in 60 Seconds, as well as a bunch of uh, High Fidelity as well with John Cusack. Uh, He had a screenplay called Bad Moon Rising, which is best described as a cross between Sons of Anarchy and American Werewolf in London. So it's uh, Werewolf Bikers. It's going to be released this October, which is probably in about two weeks from now or a week from now, I think. And it's released through Michael Bay's new entertainment company called 451 uh, Entertainment, as in 451 Degrees, as in Fahrenheit 451. Uh, The whole company is based on uh, uh, transmedia properties. So Michael Bay, of course, is the director, the much maligned director of the Transformers movies. But uh, he's definitely making a step into the comic book arena, and one of the books I'm working on is coming out through that company. Sweet. And a th- yeah, and the third and final one is the much-anticipated Andre the Giant graphic novel called Closer to Heaven. It was written by me, uh, going to be distributed through IDW and Lion Forge Comics, both digitally and in print, I believe, on the same day. Mm-hmm. It is uh, Artwork is from a gentleman by the name of Dennis Medry, who is now doing the Red Hood Arsenal comic for DC. And mm-hmm. Dennis's artwork is absolutely amazing. I'm not just saying that. Dennis's work is incredible. The Andre the Giant book was probably the hardest thing I ever wrote because I'd never written a nonfiction graphic novel before, and that's a particular skill set that I wouldn't wish on anyone. So, Because uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're writing a biography of anybody, Mm-hmm. You have to try to stay true to the person's life without making it gossipy. Especially someone like Andre the Giant or Andre Rusimov, who was very much into alcohol, very much into sex with beautiful women, very much into all kinds of excess. And if I just concentrated on that, I could have filled two graphic novels. But there was more to him than his excesses. There was a man who suffered... Because he had acromelagy, which is, uh, you know, he is a pituitary, and I think it's a pituitary condition, which causes you to grow abnormally quick. So, it was it, it was a great story that I found in it, and I hope people like it. So far, the advanced word on it has been astonishing. It's selling extremely well as a pre-order on Amazon as we speak. So, I'm hoping for the best, and that's what I have got going on so far. Cool, man. Cool, man. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting because, you know, I've, I've 
Uh, I just pre-ordered Joshua Run. I've already Thank pre-ordered uh, Bad Moon Rising and Andre and the Andre Thank book. You. So uh, yeah, because you know, you know me, I'm all about the pre-orders. We'll have to do a, a podcast about that later on oh, too, my about God. the importance of pre-ordering comics, even though people don't <laughs> like doing it and just refuse to accept how important it actually is to making sure you know, especially people like us, actually get a, yeah. a chance to have their book on the stands with everybody else's books. But um, uh, anyway, you know, so <laughs> you I, should know, I, was, I was about to get on it, but I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll no, 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 no. Uh, I need to hold you back. I need to hold you back. All right, sorry. Well, Go ahead. Uh, you know, so everybody be on the lookout for that. Uh, like you said, Bad Moon Rising should be starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, Andre the Giant is out in November, and yeah. um, Joshua Run will be out in comic stores in December, but is available now digitally on Comixology. And is it available through the Lion Forge site as well? I'm not actually sure. Okay, I feel because... like it might be, but... Yeah, but I, I would say go to Comixology first just to check, and then if you want to hit up the Lion Forge site to see what other cool stuff they've got coming out, because Lion Forge does have a bunch of new releases coming out and this fall and into the new year, so please try to support that too. It is, again, uh, and I'm not making a big deal about it, but it is, again, a uh, black-owned company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so support. They make please. put out a lot of cool books, so... Yeah. Uh, I will. <laughs> I'm in a, a slightly similar position as Easton, where I'm working on something which is, you know, highly classified, and I can't say much about it. But uh, yeah, he hasn't even told me about it. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, I've been working on. <laughs> I've been working on a, a project pretty much in, in relative secrecy since the beginning of last year, and um, we we've uh, we've gotten to the point. Where um, we have a, an, an artist that is uh, that is attached, he's excited, and now um, character designs are starting to come through, and it's a it's a really uh, you know it, it's always a, a great a great experience to to finally see like the characters like outside of your own head because you kind of live with them. Uh, for so long, and this is I'm sorry, this is an original project too, which makes it even worse. So outside of my head, like these characters, this concept, this world, it just, it literally does not exist. And now uh, we're getting to the point where, you know, the artist is starting to give his own interpretation and his own perspective on, on the things that, that I've written and kind of created from, from nothing. So it's a, it's a really exciting time. Uh, for me, hopefully the book will be announced, hopefully at the beginning of next year, but, uh, can you say what company? No. <laughs> God damn, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, I cannot. But, um, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting publisher, uh, or I guess I should say imprint, maybe, I guess, I don't know. They kind of may give a, a slight clue, but um, so should be announced pretty soon. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very exciting. I'm like, I'm like seven strips in, uh, by Good. the, by the end of the year, I might have finished 10 or 11. I might have written like the first year of the book. So it's pretty exciting to now see, uh, you know, the, the characters outside of me. It's like, oh, okay, that's a cool idea. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have come up with that. And it's, uh, you know, this is always the the collabor the collaboration is always the the coolest part about making comics. Because I'm just not, I'm not, <laughs> maybe in a few years, but I'm not to the point. Well, I'm not one of those guys that just kind of writes a script and. Uh, I'm expecting like the artist to just you know draw it exactly how it's described in in the right. script. You know, I'm more of a, you know, I'm more of like a conversation. Like, like, look, you know, I I put all of this out there for me, so I can feel like I understand it enough to describe it to someone else. But if you see an opportunity to take a panel out or add a panel or move things around, you know, it's all you know, it, it's all cool and it's all negotiable as long as. The, the end product looks great and because, uh, you know, I just feel like my my job is to just make the the artist, you know, look and, and feel like a superstar. You know, I, I don't want him to get bored at any point, you know, drawing right, one of right. my scripts. And if there's a sequence that I've kind of laid out in an uninteresting way, that can, you know, that could, uh, 
can benefit from some tweaks and some alterations, I'm, you know, I'm all about that. Like I said, in five years, you know, I'll probably be that guy that's like, don't change anything that I, you know, that I wrote in the script, and this is exactly how it should appear. But, you know, to me, that that kind of stuff is just, you know, that's not fun. You know, I enjoy the the collaborative aspects of it. And, uh, you know, it, it plays into my my natural instinct to keep, like, rewriting and keep changing things. So, you know, if I have the artist that's kind of helping me change things in there, I'm like, yeah, 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 go and, you know, change it around if you want to so I can, you know, rewrite this line, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that I just can't stop doing new versions right. of. So, uh, but it's a it's a super exciting time. Uh, I'm, I'm pitching another... Uh, series to the to the same company that's putting out the first and um you know it's it's awesome i i you know i I feel great i'm working with uh great people and uh this is easily the the most fun uh that i've ever had in you know in the comics so i'm just really anxious for the book and the company to get announced so i can stop hiding it from everyone (laughs) And um, you know it'll it'll be a lot of fun, but hopefully only a few mo- a few more months. Uh, hope maybe by the time uh, uh, Agent Carter season two has has come out, it might be revealed. So uh, crossing fingers uh, for that. So it could well, be a- I want to say congratulations, but I, we just got to wait. Until, <laughs> I, mean, I know whatever you do is going to be awesome. Thank so, you. I, I I try, man. You know, I, I'm just I'm just trying to get a little. I'm just trying to get a little better every day, and I'm just trying to learn from you know every every script that I turn in has some kind of lesson uh, to teach me if I pay pay close enough attention. And uh, you know, I, I think that people people will be very very excited about the book, about the publisher, and about the artist. I mean, we've we've gotten a guy that. People have seen a little from already, but, you know, he's definitely a guy that has a, what my editor refers to as like a an infinite ceiling where there, you know, this guy, there's no telling where he can, you know, where he can ultimately go in comics visually in the next few years. And so, you know, I'm, we're, we're going to help each other get there together and it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun but uh you know i apologize again for being uh vague but uh people will understand why when it gets announced they'll understand why i was very careful about who knew what and when because this is a, a massive uh opportunity for me and i'm you know i'm taking extra steps to make sure that everything happens the way that they want it to so you know so that's uh, that's pretty much what I've been up to, and uh, you know, on top of all that, I don't know how many days we're out, but it's just it's getting closer week by week, and it's still a little unbelievable to me. But Star Wars: The Force Awakens is upon us; it is it is imminent, and um, we're gonna spend the rest of the show talking about that, and we're gonna start. With um, the recently uh, wrapped uh, Force Friday, which was uh, September fourth, I believe it was a big a big day that you know all of the new well the first wave of Star Wars figures uh, hit a bunch of new books came out and it was uh, it was awesome and I promised myself that I wasn't going to spend uh, that much money but it didn't work out. I, I pretty much got I, I got sucked in mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Disney store. The Disney store had all of these you know dope exclusives that no one else had. They had these cool um, like a it's like a they call them a Star Wars Elite series figure. So they're made out of yeah. metal. Like they're like little six inch die cast guys. And I got a ton of those, and uh, they they came out great. And uh, I got a couple of the pop guys. I went to to GameStop and got like their exclusive pop, which is a uh, Finn, yeah, 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 Finn in the Stormtroopers uh, outfit, yeah, and uh, Kylo Ren. And then I actually went to because I bought all the Elite guys online. You know, I thought I was I thought I was smart. I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy this stuff online so I don't have to go to the store. You know, with with all of the crazy folks. 
But even though I bought a bunch of Star Wars Elite figures online, I still somehow ended up in the Disney store the next afternoon. <laughs> and in the Disney store, nice. they had a bunch of... Basically, it's kind of like... Uh, they're, they're like the Star Wars Elite in that they're made out of metal and they're die-cast, but it was the vehicles. So I got a shitload of those, too. I got, like, Kylo Ren's thing and, like, the the First Order, like, Snow Speeder and... Um, I think I... I don't know if I got the Falcon. The Millennium Falcon was huge, so I can't remember. Oh, I got, uh, like, Poe Dameron's um, black and orange X-Wing. And yeah, it was I got just, that. It was crazy. I, yeah. I spent so much more money than I was planning to, but um, I felt good doing it, so <laughs> I can't complain about that. So what what did you come away with, figures-wise? Because I know uh, you got sucked in, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my experience was not as extensive as yours. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, on a Thursday night at midnight, well, I guess it would be Friday morning at midnight, Right. I got off of work late, and I thought about just... Maybe getting in line. I drove past a local Toys R Us near me, and I just saw the line, and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this again. I, I did this 1999. I got up at midnight and went to the toy store, and I bought like ten Darth Mauls, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know what happened to them at this point. But bottom line, I, I did pick up some stuff. I picked up the, um, uh, the was it Hot Wheels? Yeah, the Hot Wheels like. Uh, vehicles, the little metal vehicles. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are extremely well made. Mm-hmm. They're beautifully designed. I mean, the people at Hot Wheels. I'm, I, you know, I had to stand up and give them a round of applause for the work. I picked up a, uh, the, one of the new order, uh, the first order Tie Fighters, the black ones, which look amazing. Yes. I picked up a Millennium Falcon. Then I picked up a Star Destroyer Micro Machine set, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nice. I mean, a Micro Machines series. Like, you know, Micro Machines are extremely well made to be so goddamn tiny. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I picked that up. I picked up the Poe Dameron X-Wing. Uh-huh. I also uh, picked up the uh, six-inch Black Series Finn and the six-inch Black Series uh, Kylo Ren. Okay. Uh, I picked up. Uh, what else? I picked up a few things actually. Yeah. Kinda now that you're up. talking about it, I already yeah. forgot that there's like a bunch of other stuff I didn't even cop to. But keep going. Right. Um, I picked up. You know what I grabbed? There was a sticker book of like a thousand stickers of yep. just the Force Awakens, and I picked that up too. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, and I picked, it's like I have, I have a bunch of like odds and ends mm-hmm. that I can't remember. I picked up like a bag and maybe a, a beach towel. Oh uh, yeah, Disney Store had these uh, these yeah. dope ass uh, tote bags where it was like yeah, heroes yeah. on one side and then the villains on the other with like yeah. a, like one of the I forgot what they call them, like lenticular panels. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's silver. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Silver. yeah. I have that. Yeah. So I picked that up. Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I got a bunch of little stuff. Other, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the books and the comics. Yes, the novels, we'll get to that comics. in a second. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I picked up, I picked up, oh, I picked up uh, a Stormtrooper backpack at Comic-Con. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you were. I was there for that. I was standing yeah. next to you for that. <laughs> yeah, dude, that thing is fucking awesome, cool. by the way. And I picked up. It looked uh, great. Yeah, it's great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, uh, there's a Stormtrooper book bag that looks like the bags they were wearing, and you know, in the, you know, the, the, like when they were wearing like a Hoth or whatever. Uh-huh. It, it's really nice. It's very sturdy. It, it, the problem is, it's white and it gets dirty real fast. Yeah, but uh, it's really nice. I picked up a bunch of uh, like fitted Star Wars caps. Uh-huh. I have an Imperial cap and I have a, a, a all white cap that just says Star Wars on it. Uh-huh. it. It's very nice. And I have a bunch of T-shirts I picked up. Uh, I mean, I've just been buying stuff. <laughs> and the thing is, on Force Friday, you know, when I got to my local Toys R Us after work that night, uh-huh. things were a little bit crazy. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, stuff left. Everything had been picked through. Uh-huh. So. I, I kind of begrudgingly picked up, like, the micro machines and the Hot Wheel stuff, only to realize that that stuff was really cool when I got it home. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, I kind of bought it out of spite. I was like, well, I already came here. Right, right. I should buy something. something. But then it turned out they were very nice. Very, very nice. Cool. So, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and I also managed to get, uh, because of my friends at Lion Forge Comics, they picked me up the uh, Star Wars San Diego First order. Oh yeah, that's the one people were fighting over. 
Yeah, exactly. So I managed to actually get a hold of one of those, and I'm very happy about that. So that's the length of just the toys and merchandise. I'm not, like I said, we haven't exactly gotten to the literal literary stuff, because yeah. there's a whole lot of that. Yes, and I bought a whole lot of that, too. I, you're not the only one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so speaking of that, so a ton of, ton of new books came out. Um, the, the big one was uh, Star Wars Aftermath, which this is the first, because um, I think this came out before the comics. So this was like the first kind of story that was set in the universe uh, after, you know, Vader and the, Empo- and the right. Emperor killed. You know, right. so this is in the wake of that. So uh, there was that book, the Star Wars Aftermath, which I believe is book one of a new trilogy. And then there were uh, three other shorter books that yes. came out that were kind of like most of the books were, were they were like 90 percent flashback. But there was a little 10 percent. There were prologues and epilogues that took place inside the timeline of The Force Awakens. So there were little, like if you're paying, uh, you know, attention, like little tiny clues about some possible locations, some characters that we might see in the movie or in the lead up to the movie. So, um, you know, overall, I uh, Aftermath, you know, I, I thought was okay. I thought Aftermath was a little, um, I think it was a little hamstrung by the fact that there's, there, there's only so much that that the writer was actually allowed to reveal before The Force Awakens actually comes out. So I think that the second book in the new trilogy might be, uh, you know, I, I think people will kind of gravitate towards it a little more because, you know, everything is such a big secret. You know, everything was a yeah, you know, yeah. like a, a, a real kind of illusion. You know, there there was... One really cool, well, there there were a couple of really cool uh, scenes, but like b- between the uh, the the chapters of the main narrative, there were these little smaller chapters that went all over the galaxy, like all these different planets, and kind of examining how people were receiving this information that the Empire was gone. You know, there are some planets where, you know, they didn't believe it. They thought it was bullshit. They're like, no, no, that can't be true. You know, the emperor is still alive out there. You know, we saw a lot of kind of, you know, like imperial, you know, like high ups in the empire that refused to acknowledge the emperor's death or wanted to seize power for themselves. There was a super cool chapter. I don't remember which planet it took place on, but there was a really cool chapter that dealt with kind of this uh, cult of work. Worship that's built up around Darth Vader in the Sith. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think that that was probably the most important chapter in the entire book. You know, just to paraphrase for people that didn't read it, there's, you know, there's basically kind of like an underground movement of kind of Sith worshipers that are going around the galaxy and collecting up all of these artifacts that they believe are connected to Darth Vader and the Emperor. You know, it's a really cool scene where some, like, bounty hunter or, you know, marauder or something, like, sells these guys, like, what they claim is Darth Vader's actual lightsaber. So, uh, given some of the information that we've heard about, you know, about Kylo Ren and about how he's, you know, in essence, like a Darth Vader fanboy for, you know, one reason or another, you know, I thought that that was a pretty cool, uh, to me, that seemed like a really important glimpse into the, you know, into like the timeline of, uh, of the force awakens. Now, some of the, the, uh, the smaller books that dealt with single characters, you know, I enjoyed a little more. There was a Luke Skywalker based one, uh, called weapon of the Jedi that I know you read that we're going to talk in detail yeah, about yeah. in a second. Cause we, I think there's some important stuff in there. Uh, the Han Solo and Chewie book by, um, uh, acclaimed accomplished author, Greg Rucka was also very awesome. Uh, you got to spend a little time with like old Han and old Chewie, which was great. And then there was another one that was uh, that was focused on uh, like a previously untold tale of uh, Princess Leia, and also kind of alluded to her status within the Resistance. So um, overall, I know that there's been a lot of um, well, there's been a lot of there's been some actual outright anger over the dissolution of the expanded universe. Yeah. And, you know, I read not a, I probably read about half 
of the, you know, of the initial run of the expanded universe. And I just got so behind and I just felt like I would never catch up. And so I do appreciate, you know, the people that invested a lot of uh, time and money and, you know, and thought and emotions around those characters and around, you know, that kind of mythology that was basically like a placeholder. But I, I'm really excited that everything is is working towards the same end now where the movies, the comics and the novels are all set in the same universe. Right. Uniformity. Right. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those like, you know, hardcore comics nerds things where sometimes things have to happen with your favorite characters in order to make them more accessible to people that aren't already on board. You know, they aren't already plugged into it. And I think that's pretty much why they did away with the extended universe. Because first of all, you know, you don't get J.J. Abrams to launch you a new Star Wars trilogy, you know, on the big screen and then tell him that he has to pay attention to these books that were written, you know, over like 20 years, you know, and that have like a <laughs> a kind of random quality level. You know, some of the stuff was great, but some of the stuff was not great. So, I mean, that's not, that wouldn't have been a smart move. I think that getting rid of the expanded universe, but allowing them to kind of pick and choose some characters and some kind of, you know, aspects that they want to actually bring back, and put into this new trilogy, you know, I definitely think that that was the way to go. And I, you know, and I just think that after The Force Awakens comes out and it's fully revealed, like, what's going on with the Skywalkers, you know, the state of the Sith and the Jedi and the, you know, the First Order, like, once all of this stuff is finally revealed, once the curtain is pulled, I think that the books and the comics will have a little more leeway you know, to work in. Because right now, everybody is just trying to keep the secret. And, you know, sometimes keeping the secret is going to get in the way of some of the storytelling. So I just think that as it's kind of, you know, like warm ups, things to kind of like prime the pump as the as the movie uh, advances on us. You know, I I think that they did a a good job overall. Uh, There was a book that came out earlier, which I think is kind of like the, you know, so far out of the stuff that has been released, all of the new books, I think by far the the most awesome book was uh, Lords of the Sith. I think it was by I think uh, Paul S. Kemp is the author's name, but it's a right. great, it's, it's, <laughs> it, this sounds really stupid, but it's kind of like a buddy comedy between Vader and the Emperor after right. they get stranded, you know, on a planet and um, this force of rebels is trying to assemble on them and kill them. And um, it was just, I just thought it was, it was really great. I thought that the way that, um, you know, their abilities were depicted in the book were uh, were very cool and, and very kind of expansive. And I also like the relationship between, um, you know, kind of like a younger Darth Vader and the Emperor when, you know, they are kind of, they're very adversarial. And I right. thought it really, it really made for a cool story because it, it you know, it's like Anakin Skywalker really is not cool with kind of (laughs) the state of himself. You know, he's not cool that he was like burned to a crisp and cut up by his mentor and he's walking around in this stupid suit and, you know, and everything the emperor tells him is, you know, is, is really like a test and a bunch of nonsense and he'll say things to Vader just to kind of get an emotional rise out of him. And then he'll like make fun of him and berate him because he had emotional responses you know, to his like manipulations. And I, I, you know, I thought it was really cool. So out of all of the, the new kind of material that's come out, like if anyone, you know, if you can only read like one or two things, you know, I would definitely recommend, uh, Lords of the Sith and, uh, Weapon of the Jedi. It's like the, you know, those are the two books that like you definitely need to, to get into. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would also strongly recommend the Star Wars series that Marvel's putting out. Awesome. Especially the main Star Wars comic, as well as the Darth Vader comic. Yes. Those two in particular are just extremely well done. 
Yes. Uh, the the relationship with the emperor that you discussed from Lords of the Sith, which I do own. I have mm-hmm. not read it, but I do own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that relationship is on display in the Darth Vader comic because the emperor actually has this reserve of people who he's going to use if Vader ever gets out of line to kill Vader. Right. And Vader runs into them, and he actually is forced to work with these people. That, to me, was an amazing revelation in the Star Wars mythos. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that the Emperor is scheming against his apprentice. Always. He's <laughs> always scheming against his apprentice. Absolutely. So you got a chance to see that in play in the, in the Darth Vader comic book. Uh, I did read the... Well, I, read, I didn't get through the whole thing. I tried to read Aftermath. Mm-hmm. I found the writing to be extremely pedestrian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, it, it's rare when you're reading a paragraph and a writer switches from present to past tense, from first to third person. I don't know if that's the work of a genius or the work of an amateur, because mm-hmm. I've never seen it. And I'm reading it. I don't know what I'm reading. There were, there were chapters I didn't know what actually happened because the writing wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. And I had some serious problems with that. Beyond the grammatical and structure problems of the book, there was a little bit of stuff in there pertaining to the future, mainly about the alignment of what's going to happen to the Empire. I mean, they dropped some hints into, in the sense that the Empire very, the Empire is definitely going to dissolve, but turn into something else. Right. And that's extremely important. The book, uh, The Weapon of a Jedi by Jason Fry, is it's a young adult novel. It's not very long. You can. Re- I read it in one day. Yeah, it's like two hundred pages or something. Yeah, with very large, very large text mm-hmm. and pictures, even. So. Yeah, by Phil Noto. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, artwork is gorgeous, but the, the story is a story that three PO is telling to somebody, that, which is happening within the Force Awakens timeline, within the actual events of that uh, of that uh, movie of the world that we haven't seen yet, and three PO is narrating basically to a X-Wing pilot who may or may not be someone of great value and interest, but we don't know yet because right. the story is still unknown. It, it, it tells a story of when Luke used his lightsaber the very first time as a weapon. Luke goes to a planet where he's on some kind of rebel mission, and it turns out that there is a Jedi Academy or the ruins of a Jedi temple in the, like, it's like a foresty, swampy type of region. Yeah, And it's there's a couple of twists that I was actually shocked by because mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. And that's rare because I don't usually read young adult novels and I don't really expect much out of them. But this one had a couple of twists and turns in it that were very interesting. Mainly about who was left behind on that planet, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who's on the planet, and some of these side characters as well as the location that Luke explores yes. may be very important in The Force Awakens. Right. I have a feeling... And I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that the place that Luke is at is on this world years after Return of the Jedi. I yeah. could be wrong about it. That's one of my predictions. I mean, that's not a bold prediction. But the clues have been laid very clearly in these series of novels about what's going to happen, or at least locations, right? And for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I think it's very important to, if you're a fan, that is, to take a look at this stuff. Because this is what we've always wanted a uniform Star Wars yes. tra- transmedia. Unified. Event. You know, absolutely uniform, absolutely unified. Everything is set up. I mean, you've got the comics. And, and I didn't mention the Princess Leia comic. I also didn't mention the uh, uh, Clone Wars comic, which is the story of. What's his name? Kata- K- what Kanan. It's Kanan's backstory, who is yes. the uh, adult. Jedi on the Clone, I mean, a Star Wars Rebels cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a comic written just about him mm-hmm. and his backstory, which is extremely important to know, mm-hmm. extremely important to understand. And uh, you know, I, I recommend that as well, just so you have the fuller picture of the of, you know of the Star Wars universe of the new unified Star Wars universe. I mm-hmm. should say, you know, I think that's important. Yeah, something else I you know I want to point out just as an overall comment about a lot of this material that I've you know that I've definitely noticed. <clears throat> there are a ton of new cool female characters introduced 
There are a couple of new, uh, you know, uh, brown skin characters. One of the main characters in Aftermath, one of the, you know, Imperial higher ups. I don't know if they're still moths or, you know, I don't know what their, uh, their designations are. Right. But you can see that they're really taking steps to, uh, to obviously diversify the universe. And you can really see this in the books. I mean, all of the books have a ton of new, you know, female characters, brown characters, there's a couple of gay characters. And I think when you look at stuff like that, plus when you look at things like uh, the upcoming uh, Rogue One anthology uh, movie, you can see where they want to take these movies. You know, and they want them to be much more diverse and much more, uh, you know, kind of like varied than they have been in the past. And, uh, you know, I commend them for doing that, for actually going out there. Like, I don't know if you have you heard of like that, uh, like the free to play mobile game, like the Star Wars Uprising thing. I think it's like. Yeah, yeah I didn't mobile. download it because it didn't get good reviews. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I might check it out it. at some point. But one of the main characters in that is another black male character who, okay, who kind of looks like a black kind, like like a black Han Solo. But you know, when when you when you look at kind of the the entire picture of what they're doing, you can see very clearly what their what their goals and aims are for Star Wars going into the future. And I know that there there was there has been some criticism, which I think is a little unfounded, especially since we haven't even seen it yet. You know, there's some like still criticism about the Force Awakens and is it brown enough? Is it you know female enough? And you know, there I, I think that there is something to that commentary, but I think it also ignores the context of that. These those movies are going to be about Skywalkers and Solos, like yes. that's who they are. Which means that you're going to have a core of you know white characters that are kind of driving the narrative forward. Now, when you get to something like Rogue One, which is kind of like an in between story, even though they still do need to have you know a few more female characters present, you know if you look at that cast photo. You know, there's, you know, Asians, there's there's all types of, you know, ethnicities and nationalities on display. You know, Forrest Whitaker is going to be a big part of the cast. So, you know, right. I think that that I think that that is kind of, you know, the future of kind of the overall look and feel of Star Wars going forward. I think Rogue One afforded them more opportunities because they're dealing with new characters and slightly new situations where they're not trapped into using Skywalkers and Solo. So given a little more kind of latitude, I was encouraged to see, you know, the diversity on display in the the initial cast for, for Rogue One. So, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, dis. <laughs> Disney did not buy Star Wars so they could just make, you know, a bunch of movies with straight white dudes in it. And, you know, I'm sorry that that uh, appears threatening to, you know, some little small uh, pocket of the fan base. But, you know, it's it's you either you either going to get on board or you're going to be left behind. So that's pretty much your, your two choices with, with that. Yeah, you touched on a huge thing right there because... You know, you touched on it earlier, and we kind of we didn't really get into it, but the dissolution of the original expanded universe was kind of like the like like, like a tinderbox for that very small but vocal minority of people who don't want anything new, diverse, or different. Right. It's not a lot of people, but the people who are complaining are complaining a lot, uh-huh. and it's all this. Oh wow, Disney's going to destroy it. Disney. I'm like, look, you know. Star Wars was damaged severely, for better or for worse, you know, depending on where you stand. Right. But in terms of the casual viewer, Star Wars was damaged severely by the prequel trilogy. Mm. People don't want to admit that, but there's a reason why Lucas got rid of it. Mm. He's not a stupid man, and I think that in the end he realized that he didn't really have the political cachet to rebound Star Wars in the way it needed to be rebounded right. in pop culture. Selling it off was a genius move, and Disney's going to come along and put their stamp on it. 
Whether people want to hang around or not, that's quite all right because there's a whole new generation of people who are already lapping it up. Right. Because when I was at Toys R Us and when I've been at bookstores, I've seen people who are under the age of 15 buying this stuff or parents buying it for their kids. Yep. There are – I don't know if, every, if everyone listening to this actually looked at what's available, but there is an amazing amount of stuff geared toward preteens. Yep. For the Force Awakens, and I mean lunch boxes, bath towels, bed sheets, stuff that kids pencil pencil box cases, yep. you know things that kids are going to be into, and I'm seeing kids with it. So there's going to be a generation who doesn't give a shit about the expanded universe, right. don't even know what the expanded universe is, doesn't even know what, is. who who Jason and Jaina Solo even are. No, I mean I unfortunately spent a lot of money on all those expanded universe books and comics. I spent an inordinate amount of money collecting all that stuff. I hated the Yuzon Vong storyline, whatever they're called. Yeah. I hated it. I hated all the New Jedi Order. I hated it all. I hated it. I hated it all. I kept reading it because Chewbacca got Chewbacca got killed. You know, uh, one of the Skywalker, I mean, one of the Solo kids turned out to be an asshole. You know, yeah, the one uh, named Anakin. Surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah. You know, all this stuff was going on. And you know what? I just did what I could because I was a Star Wars fan. Then I learned a lesson that, you know what? It's not that serious. You know, there's other things in life to worry about. Things are going to change. I've said this many times. As one of the world's biggest Transformers fans, I literally had to just learn to let it go. Because I don't own Transformers. I will probably never own Transformers. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to write some Transformers stuff in my life. I'm very happy about that. But in terms of just, you know, my potential to own a billion dollar franchise and get it away from Hasbro, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I had to, no, seriously, I mean, the Transformers series, the, the, the turn in the Transformers mythos, I had to accept. Or else I would have went insane. I think that same thing is going to have to happen or has already happened with the hardcore expanded universe Star Wars fandom who don't like the fact that Finn is black. Yes. There are people who are very, I mean, I've been on, I, mean, <laughs> I, I usually avoid message boards. I usually avoid comment sections. But about, what, almost what, like a month ago, uh-huh. there was an image released of Finn holding uh, the blue lightsaber, which right. was originally Anakin's from, you know, the Phantom Menace and so on. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry, from, from Attack, Attack of the, of the Clones. Clones. So, you know, I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it, whatever, looking at the little image, and underneath, the first, it, this was on io9.com, okay. the very, very first comment was, I don't want to go to this movie and watch some punk hold a lightsaber. And I'm like, what makes Finn a punk? Like, you know what makes him a punk. <laughs> right, no, but, you know, I, I was trying to be nice about it. So I was like, okay, he's, he's a punk kid, apparently, who just happens to pick up a lightsaber and use it. Okay, right. Because they didn't want any space Negroes holding right. uh, the, the sacred Skywalker lightsaber. Yes, yes. And, I, you know, it, it, it's just so funny to me that there are, even though everything that they have shown us, first of all, Finn was the first person anybody ever saw in the very first teaser trailer. He's the first face that we saw after, you know, Andy Serkis's uh, mysterious kind of, uh, <laughs> his, his kind of mysterious, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even know what to call it, but, you know, has there been, there's been an awakening, have you felt it? And the first person we see is Finn. And yep. then... You know, they have uh, Star Wars celebrations, and they have the costumes on display, and then there's that photo of Finn with the cool brown jacket with, you know, Anakin's lightsaber, you know, tucked into one of the pockets. And then they start showing Finn with that lightsaber, and there's still this, uh, this, you know, this hardcore pocket of fandom that is still trying to tell themselves that that's not Anakin's lightsaber. And anytime <laughs> I see it, I start laughing hysterically. Like, the fact that people are still acting like the jury is out 
like on whether or not this is actually, you know, Anakin's lightsaber, it's just hilarious to me. It's obvious that that's what it is. And and it's just funny to me that there are people that just refuse to accept it. And I know why they don't want to accept it. Just just like you said, we don't want to see any space Negroes, you know, with their hands on which what is basically like the magic talisman of, you know, the Star Wars universe. Yep. It's like this item ends up in the hands of a main character. Period. And yep. that that's not going to change now. And it, it's so funny to me that like even though they've actually released pictures of Finn holding this lightsaber in the center, they've released like cast photos with Finn in the center holding the lightsaber with Ray and Poe on the side of him. Yep. And they're still saying, well, we don't know for sure whether or not that's his lightsaber. We don't know for sure whether or not Finn is like, no, no. Hey, where, who's, where is this happening at? Who's saying this? Oh, man, everywhere. <laughs> you, you see it. I've seen it um, on Entertainment Weekly. And this is my fault because I, I shouldn't read the comments. But, you know, it's just sometimes it's like a car crash. You just want to see it. And, you know, it, it does amuse me, you know, that some people just yeah. refuse to, you know, accept what it is they're being shown. And <laughs> it's like, do you know what kind of an uproar there would be? Like, and then so you have on one end, you have um, people that just will not accept the fact that Finn is going to be a major driving force in The Force Awakens. And then you have, like, Conspiracy Brother, who is like, oh, man, well, I bet they kill him in the... No, no, no. They are not going to do that. Like, do you know... It's like, do you think that Disney dislikes money? Like, do right, you think that, right, do you think right. there's money in that? Do you think there's money in introducing, like, you know, a new black character holding basically, like, the the, the sword in the stone of the Star Wars universe, and then they gonna kill him in the first right. book? No, that don't make no sense. I have been so disappointed in the black geeks, geekosphere, whatever you want to call it lately. I, I don't know what's going on with black geeks lately, but they... It's not everybody, right. but but in the same way that there's like this pocket of white geeks who are just hateful and racist and sexist and homophobic, there's a pocket of black geeks you just can't satisfy. Yes, <laughs> and we've, we've we've spoken about this almost every goddamn episode. <laughs> but it, it, it's like like in the last week alone, I've just run into all these black geeks who just don't like any. They're just not happy. Like, nothing makes them happy. Like, there are black writers at Marvel now. They're not happy. Right. There's, uh, you know, black heroes on TV. And, like, you know, uh, Megan Good is on Minority Report looking fine as ever. You know, uh, that's not good enough. No, because it's it's Sleepy Hollow in the future. Right, apparently. Because X-Files didn't create that, you know, situation in the beginning. Right, that dynamic. Right, but uh, the trick is that every time I turn around, People are just getting less and less satisfied, despite things being so freaking cool. Yes, and and I, I don't know if I should just like get away from the. I'm I, I thinking about like just limiting. I've said this before, but I'm thinking about just limiting my access to just the geek community. Uh-huh. I can't I can't take it anymore mm. because it just feels like nobody ever is satisfied with anything. You know, uh, Larry Stroman, who is one of the most accomplished black comic book writers on the planet. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, artist. I mean, he, he's one of the few black men who can proudly say that his book sold one million copies. Yep, true. Over one million. Tribe, exactly. So he even noticed some situations with black geeks recently. He, you know, put it out there. And then, you know, a bunch of black geeks are like, oh, we can't win. Not only are we supposed to create our own stuff, but we're supposed to buy it, too. And I'm just like, yeah, you jackass. That's how it works. It's like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's not good enough. So it's just, you know, the, the, the culture of negativity. I just wish I could put all these people on a rocket ship and send them out the atmosphere. Yeah, you well, know, there's uh, water on Mars, so maybe they can. We don't send them there. Out. Hang out with Matt Damon. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. But I, I think that the start, this new Star Wars. Uh, uh, Zeitgeist is going to be pretty amazing. Yes. I think that the um, 
Force Awakens is still just going to be a blockbuster. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, like it or not, we're going to have a multiracial, multisexual, multiethnic, multi-everything Star Wars universe that's been a long time coming. Yep. You know, it's not just going to be Lando anymore. Uh, I'm very happy to hear uh, Admiral Akbar is coming back. <laughs> it's a uh, trap. It's a trap. You know, he's one of my favorite characters for just that one line. But, you know, even in the expanded universe, uh, Akbar was a strategic genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do with him in The Force Awakens. He will be showing up. Um, that was released. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, December 18th get, can't get here soon enough. I keep hearing that the tickets are going to go on sale sometime this month secretly. Yeah. And you have to figure out a way to get them. And I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. So, <laughs> yeah. Because I want to see it on IMAX and a regular screen just, just because. Uh-huh. And I'm going to try to figure out a way to get IMAX. Because I don't know when the IMAX tickets go on sale. Because apparently every IMAX screen in the United States of America is going to be showing A Force Awakens. Yeah, for a month. They booked straight- all of the screens, I believe, for a month. Right, and that's unprecedented. Yes. So I, I can go to a science center and see here in L.A. I can go to the, you know, the L.A. Science Museum which has a massive IMAX screen, and watch The Force Awakens. Yeah, a real so, one, too, because some of these yeah. IMAX screens... Are not here. really IMAX, yeah. Yeah. You're right. So um, I, the reason why I know, because at the L.A. Uh, Science Museum, that is a true IMAX presentation. Mm-hmm. And I want that presentation for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't... I mean, I, I can't wait. You know, mm-hmm. I really... Really, I, I just can't wait. I mean, I'm very happy. I'm very excited. I'm buying all the materials I can in terms of books and novels, and we'll just see what happens next. I mean, yeah. that's all we that's all we can do. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be great, man. This this is just you know, like I said, like like you said, I I can't understand uh, why I <laughs> I feel sad for the people that are like holding their hat on this being terrible. You know, I, t- I truly feel sad for the people yeah. that are like, oh, man, this is going to be awful. It's going to be like the prequels. And it's like, man, like nobody from the prequels is working on it, though. Dope. This is like a completely like new production crew. It's a new cast. Disney owns it. It's, you know, I've said this before, but it's stupid. It's like, you know, reading a, your, your, your favorite comic and, <laughs> you know, the creative team is changing and you're like, well, I don't want to give the new creative team a shot because I didn't like the old creative team. It's like, it's a completely different people of doing it. And, and the fact that this is set after return of the Jedi, is just th- that to me, that's it. You know, you can say what you want about the prequels, but bottom line, we right. know the story of the prequels before we even saw it. Before we saw frame one of any of those movies, we knew what was going to happen. Right now, there are only a few people on Earth that actually know what's going to happen in this movie. And right. that's, you know, tremendously exciting to me. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's about, like, 20 people who know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I, I, we'll, see, we'll see exactly how... how um, good they are at uh, fending off spoilers. Because I know, you know, the closer we get to it, the yeah, the more, bigger, yeah, the more yeah. they're going to lose control of it. So, um, you well, know. With that, well, I, well, I have to run soon, unfortunately. So with that okay. said, Bold predictions. We, 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 we both said before this, we agreed to say giving two bold predictions for The Force Awakens. So you go first. All right. First bold prediction is... Um, Captain Phasma will use a lightsaber during the Force Awakens. Ooh, played by the uh, wonderful Gwendolyn Christie from *The Game of Thrones*. Yes, get her Star Wars Elite figure. It's awesome. Oh man, that Phasma! Oh, yeah, don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and what's your other one? Second bold prediction: Lupita is going to play two different characters in the Force Awakens. Interesting. One motion cap and one not. Really? Where'd you get that idea from? I don't know. I just have a feeling. It feels very J.J. Abrams to me. Huh. Because you always have to be careful with him, because one of the things I think he's doing with Finn now, he's using Finn to direct atten- to deflect attention from Ray. Absolutely. Which is what's going on, because no nobody's talking about her at right. all. Right. And she may very well be the most pivotal character in the whole goddamn exactly. universe. Exactly. 
That's I a think, good point. You know, I think that there's a higher chance, you know, for obvious reasons, that she is a solo or she is a Skywalker. And I believe that JJ is, you know, is using the frenzy, the good and bad elements of the frenzy behind a young black Jedi to kind of uh, hide her relative importance. Right. So what are your predictions? Well, one, that we will see a resurrected Darth Vader played by Hayden Christensen at some point in the new trilogy. Okay. Starting with maybe his reconstitution in somewhere in The Force Awakens. Okay. And my other one is that um, I think the New Order may have a Emperor clone. Okay. So they're both like dark side related, yes. but there that were heavy rumors. There were heavy rumors of Hayden Christensen being cast as Darth Vader. Now we don't know if that's Rogue One, and right. we don't know if that's going to be for the new trilogy. But if the rumors I hear are true about Kylo Ren wanting Vader's head or Vader's DNA to re uh, to resurrect him, then it would make sense that we might get the Anakin version of. Uh, of the, like the Hayden Christensen version of Anakin Skywalker, as opposed to the Sebastian Shaw version that we saw in Return of the Jedi originally. Cool. Could so those are my two. Those are my two predictions. I could be wrong. But oh yeah, it, yeah. This, this is just you know. This is we we don't have any <laughs> inside information. I promise yeah. you. This is just you know speculation from two uh, hardcore nerds. I do absolutely. Think, I do think about the the Hayden Christensen thing. Again, I, I'm so always so suspicious of JJ. To me, what that I think that that leaked. I think that Hayden Christensen is in Episode Seven, but right. as a Force ghost. Ah, that would make a lot of sense too. I think that the word is that he's going to be in Episode Eight, but I think that they've actually shot his material for Seven. Or the material that they're shooting now, they're going to have in seven. So I think that there's going to be at least a scene or two where we get to see, you know, like the Force Ghost version of Hayden Christensen, you know, help Luke do something or help Luke find something or direct Luke in some way. Huh. That would be really cool. Because I, I think that that would be easier to, I think it would be easier to hide. And I think that. You know, I think that doing, like, clones and stuff, I think that there are certain, you know, we would love that shit. But I think that there's a certain, you know, I think that there's a certain kind of uh, part of fandom, you know, that they're trying to cater to. The people that, you know, might not know every single thing about the Star Wars saga. I think that the clone thing might be a bit of a turnoff to those folks. But I, I, you know, wholeheartedly, I think 100%, at the very least, Force Ghost. Similar okay. to the way that, you know, old Ben, you know, helped, uh, helped Luke out after he, Absolutely. Uh, after right. he perished. So um, it's going to be super exciting. I mean, who knows? That, that's the cool part. We don't know. We have no idea, you know, and, what, what's and coming. Yeah. And uh, I just can't wait for the, for the first trailer. I mean that you know that like that Instagram thing. You basically the reveal of Finn in the movie in the snow with the, yeah. with the lightsaber. That's actually been like on my computer since they released it, and it'll That's just awesome. be it'll just be like an, a regular afternoon, and I'll just be like, oh shit, I should watch that again. And I'm just I'm so ready. I'm I'm so excited for it. Um, and I think people need to. I think people need people are afraid to embrace, you know, the excitement because they think that they'll end up disappointed in the end, but to me, the excitement is still worthwhile. You know, even if we get to the point, even if we get to the movie and it's not everything, you know, we we never knew to ask from it. You know, I still think there is something cool and there's something special and there's something notable and actually surrendering to excitement about something instead of finding reasons to pick holes in it and why it's not going to be this and why it's going to suck and J.J. Abrams ruined this. And it's like, are you crazy? It's like, look, I'm (laughs) telling you, this is like, 
J.J. Abrams' entire professional life has been leading to this moment. Absolutely. And I do not believe that I don't believe he's going to screw it up. I just don't believe it. And I think that he learned enough from Star Trek to do his great first movie and walk out. <laughs> like, do the great first movie and just walk away and leave it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Before you make the second and people jump down your throat about stuff. So, right, right, um, right. You know, it's, I just can't wait. I can't wait for that trailer. It's just going to be, it's, it's like overwhelming just thinking about it, about like how many times I'm actually going to watch that trailer before the movie is in. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've watched the first two already. And so, I've just been like uh, humming. It's been crazy. And man. I've been like just humming the Imperial March like in the house for weeks. I just like <laughs> had to apologize to my poor wife because I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting somewhere and it's just like, and it's just like, it's like I can't stop. So, um, but yeah, man, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I got, man. I'm, you know, I'm spent, I'm excited. Uh, I'm sorry it took us so long to get back to it. And knowing us after the trailer is released, you'll probably get another of these, maybe a shorter one where we'll jump on for, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes and then like geek out over what we actually saw in the trailer and, but um, you know, it's an exciting time, man. We just gotta we just gotta stay alive for a couple more months and you know Yeah, that's the tough part. I know. <laughs> All right, well uh I have to prepare for that other podcast unfortunately, so we might yes. have to cut this a little well, short. Unfortunately, this time. it'll be a cool one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, speaking of which, I mean, by the time we put this up, this will already have happened. But yes. if you don't know about it, today uh, I'm going to be on a podcast from Black Girl Nerds, and it's all about people of color in comics. It's going to have Jimmy Robinson, uh, Dr. Sheena Howard, who was the first Black woman to win an Eisner Award for her book about Black uh, Black uh, representation in comics. Uh, it's going to be me and Ashley Woods. So it's going to be a nice... And, uh, and I think Jimmy. Yeah, I said Jimmy Robinson first. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's going to be a nice assemblage of really cool people, really smart people, people who have done some stuff in the business, and we have a lot to say. So the Black Girl Nerd Podcast, you can find just put that into Google, you'll find it. Uh, they have about 37 episodes up already, I think, and they're really cool folks, and it's really good to have a black woman's perspective on the comic book industry as a part of our pop culture, as part of our zeitgeist. It's really important to have that, and it's going to be a great discussion. So, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, or black or white or whatever, please tune in, and uh, we'll have that, uh, we'll have a great conversation. All right. Awesome. And uh, good luck with uh, Agent Carter Season 2. I know, Thank you. Um, I, Thank I don't you. know if, if this is a secret. If it's a secret, I'll just... <laughs> but you're writing an episode, maybe? Yeah, and I can say that. I've okay. written, I have turned in my uh, draft for an episode of Season 2 of Agent Carter. That's so. amazing. Yeah, so that's going to be, I'll, believe me, I'll let everyone know when that's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, uh, thanks for uh, giving us a listen. Uh, we apologize again. And uh, cool stuff in the future from the both of us and from pop culture at large. And uh, get out there and, and find some of it to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, stop hating on stuff. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. So cool. Basically. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I want to say the same thing. Enjoy yourself. The holidays are coming up real soon. And Halloween is coming up. If you're in the LA area and you're listening to this, uh, me and my uh, my crew of um, panelists will be at Stanley's Kamikaze on Saturday, October 31st, on Halloween afternoon. At a comic book convention, <laughs> we'll be giving our Writer's Journey panel, which is all about how to break into the industry as a writer in comics and in Hollywood. Uh, Jeffrey Thorne, Erica Alexander, Tony Perrier, and Mark Zickery are going to be on the panel with me. Uh, once again, that's on Saturday afternoon, October 31st at Stanley's Kamikaze Expo down at the L.A. Convention Center. So if you're in the area, please come down. It's going to be a good old-fashioned time, and it's going to be on Halloween at a comic book convention. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, y'all. Well, uh, we'll see you next time, and, uh, you know, take care, and we'll be back soon, hopefully.
Take care, folks. All right. Peace. Peace.